The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning, and as Christmassy as I am, this is not going to be necessarily a Christmas message. I want to share with you something I have a little personal conviction about. I had some communication with a friend of ours. Many of you know him uh, in West Africa, uh, Frank Aikens. He, he is known as Apostle Frank Aikens there because of the, the church planting and the work that he does. He, when he comes here, he, he speaks uh, very uh, uh, powerfully into my life personally, and I know into to us as a congregation. I mean, every time he's been here to visit, the word that he's brought has been really uh, amazing and timely. Uh, he got in touch with me, you know, just we'll, we'll communicate back and forth. And most of the time it's updates on family and activities and things like that or, or health. And uh, you guys know that you've participated in helping him. He had a couple of eye surgeries this year that Champions helped uh, uh, to fund. Uh, and so we stay in touch and, uh, and keep close communications. Well, he, he sent me a message and it was, hey, missing you, you know, and and. So yeah, we miss you too. And he said, yeah, it's our, our December services. Uh, so wish you were here. Well, I know what that means. In December, they take the time to have a, a stretch of prayer and fasting for preparation for the new year. Now, I grew up in, in a church circle that waited until like, you know, after the Super Bowl and then decided to have prayer and fasting for the new year. Well, nowadays you'd be in February. So you've already got, you know, a, a full month behind you. But I was looking at that, thinking about that, and thinking, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that, to look ahead in preparation. Now, I'm not calling a, a, a season of prayer and fasting because I'm like you. I enjoy uh, my gingerbread cookies and, you know, I mean, what is it that people make that I just devour haystacks and, you know, the, the toffee and the, oh, man, I can get into the holiday treats. But the, uh, uh, the preparation, so what I want to do is I want to take the time here, I want to get into the Word, and I want to look at this next year. I want to consider the year 2020, right? I mean, I don't want it to be a distraction from the holiday season. I want to celebrate Christmas, and in fact, I'm looking forward to next week and the service. I know we're going to have a great time with the reading of the Word and fellowship together and the music and the festivities. We're going to get our, our Christmas needs met, there's no doubt about that. But if we can just take the time to acknowledge that this year is coming to a close, an entire new year with wonderful possibilities lies ahead. That God's called us to greatness and wonderful things, that he's equipped us and empowered us. And if we were to take the time to, to come and share testimonies, which we ought to do, we really should do that sometime. We would be here all morning uh, hearing about how God had done great things in different areas and aspects of our living. Now, in 2020, that's not going to go away. In this next year, he's going to continue to do great things. Now, there's some of us that are looking forward to some of those things. We have anticipation. And I want to talk about the success or the prosperity, the, the advancement, the promotion that God promises in his word and the ways that we live our life in anticipation of those things to see those things come to pass. I want to get into the word. If you're taking notes, which I encourage, there's a few things that you can jot down that we'll find today. Now, it's not limited to this, but these are just some, some points of reference that we'll make it through as we move through the Word. One, what day it is. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, you heard Merry Advent earlier and that we're in that, the, the, the time where we celebrate the coming of our, 
our king and his birth. And then, of course, you know, Christmas morning is a time where we celebrate his birth. And, and, but what day it is? Now, this is a, a, when we have the answer to this question, you can apply this to any day, what day it is. Another thing we're going to find is what's needed in order to inherit or acquire the promises of God. I enjoy speaking about the promises of God because I know he's a keeper of his word. What he speaks, what he promises, what he assures or guarantees, he will bring to pass. It's a wonderful thing to discuss God's promises. So what's needed in order to inherit the promises of God so that we can actually live in and walk in those promises fulfilled rather than simply anticipate them from a distance. A third thing we're going to see in the word is what always gets promoted. What always succeeds, what always advances. We're going to find out in the scripture what God will always promote, what he'll always make successful, so that we can pursue and apply to our lives that very thing and see a very successful uh, 2020. So as we get into the word here, I want to start with uh, Psalm 118. Psalm 118, we'll look at two passages, 24 and 25. Psalm 118, verse 24 and 25. Now these verses, they read like this. I told you before we're going to find out what day it is. We're going to find that out right out out front here. What day it is. Psalm 118, beginning in verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, I stopped there because I, I cannot help but think of songs that we would sing when I was a child. You know, they're not just kids' songs. We would sing them in church. You know, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Yes, and you've seen this before, right? I mean, I remember as a kid, we, we, we jokingly called it the Pentecostal two-step, you know, that people would dance like this, and this is the day. This is, high heels are sticking in the ceiling tiles, and you got to look out, you know. I mean, heads up, you just duck. You don't look up, you duck, you know. You had shoes flying everywhere, you know, people clapping. You know, our, our songs have changed. I mean, culturally, there's been some changes in things, and, and generally speaking, you know, modern music is extremely melancholy compared to those songs that I remember of old, where they were, you know, clapping and, and, and dancing and things like that. But the, the, this concept of that song was this, this founded upon the scripture. I mean, we used to sing scripture songs like that. So it's a wonderful passage of scripture to have locked in your mind and even put it to music. Even if you're making up your own little melody there, just to make that as a declaration. I mean, what day is it? What is today? What makes up today? You know, I mean, oftentimes when I'm thinking what day it is, I'm thinking what bills are due, what jobs are, have deadlines, what day is it? Let's see. Oh, my gosh, it's Monday. That's late, you know. But when we think about what day it is, I think it's important for us to have first and foremost in our minds, this is the day that God made. And then that declaration, I will. I mean, I will is a powerful statement. It's an exercise of your will. And I, it's incredible that it doesn't say, you know, you should rejoice. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, but it's I will. It's this statement, this declaration that no matter how I'm feeling or no matter what uh, testifies that today is going to be a challenge or be miserable, I will myself to rejoice and be glad in this day that God's made. I know he has something important for me. He has something that has a tremendous success attached to it, all because of his grace, all because of Jesus for me. He has that for me. And then you have this passage of scripture in verse 25. 
Oh Lord, do save. We cry out, we cry out. Do send prosperity. Now if you look up that word in a concordance, you'll find a number of of other words that could be interchanged there like advancement or success. Prosperity is a fine word. But when we consider success, I think success is the word that, that stands out the most to me. Because it applies to every aspect of my living. I want to be successful in my marriage. I want to be successful raising my children. I want to be successful in my friendships and in my relationships. I want to be successful in business. There's not a single aspect of my life that I don't desire to be successful in. I've never entered into anything or put my hand to anything hoping that it would fall apart. We desire to be successful. We, we, we go into relationships. We go into fellowship. We go into to transactions, whether it's business. We go into ministry. We go into all of these things, believing for and looking for success. So we see this declaration, today's the day you made. I'm not going to let outside influences rule my heart or my mind as it concerns this day. I will myself to rejoice. I will myself to be glad. And I will offer up my request that you, God, send prosperity. It's not going to come from anywhere else. My success is not going to come from any other source. So I want to look at some ways God has directed us towards success. I mean, I want us to consider this upcoming year, the things that we desire, the things that we want, the things that we long for, the things that we're believing for, hoping for, the things that are promised to us. And I want to see in the scripture those elements that make for success in the kingdom of God. And I want it to encourage us to apply those things as we look forward to God's fulfillment of his promise that every day of the days to come, be a day where we will ourselves to rejoice, we will ourselves to be glad, and we cry out to God to send that success that he promises. So here's, here's one. Like, we're going to have a few of these. So they're not steps. They're not in any specific order. They're just simply things that are in the Scripture that I think are necessary as we move forward into any success in the kingdom of God. So one is to have vision. You could put have a vision, or you could just put have vision. You know, I mean, the word that we use in a more common tongue today is goals, you know. Uh, we, we talk about those things. But vision is an important thing for us to have. There needs to be something that we're, we're looking for. So I want you to think about this for a second because this, this is interesting to me. I, I've had days before where I felt like I didn't accomplish anything. I mean, I, I, I hate to show my clay feet to such a degree, but I've had years before where I felt like I didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> You know. But I want you to think about the, the difference between running a race and running around. The difference between running a race, you know, on your mark, get set, bang, go, you know, and running around. There have been days where I felt like I just ran around. There has been long periods of time where it felt like I just ran around. What's the difference between running a race and running around? I mean, you're welcome to blurt something out. That's risky, you know. A goal? A goal is good. Yeah. A finish line. Perfect. Finish line, goal, interchangeable. Yeah, so we need to have some kind of a goal. We need to have some kind of vision or else we'll just run around. It's important. I mean, it sounds almost cliche or like you should hear it on some, you know, self-help cassette that someone gives you from 1973 or something like that, you know. 
And you, and you, but it's true. If we don't have a goal, if we don't have an aim point, if we don't have a finish line, then we're just running around. We're just spending energy, and, and we're not getting to some specific intentional point, and that is why we need to have vision. I mean, I want to encourage you as this new year approaches to take some time. I mean, like, like Apostle Frank communicated and said, hey, we're having our time of prayer and fasting here in December preparing for the next year. I want to encourage you to take some time. Just take some time. God, I, I need a vision for this next year. I need a vision with my marriage. I would like a vision for my children, raising my children. I'd like a vision for the anointing that you've placed upon my life. You know, how I'm, meant to call, how I'm called and meant to walk in ministry. I'd like a vision for that for this next year. I'd like a vision for, for how I'm to carry myself in business. Will you give me a vision so that I don't just run around? So that we don't just accidentally stumble into success, but so that we can have a goal set clearly before us and we can use our energy and our efforts to reach that goal. <clears throat> I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture here that are helpful and, and confirm these things. One you'll find in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, and you see it in, in verse 2. It talks about vision. And it encourages to, one, have a vision, and two, to, to write it down. I think it says to inscribe it on tablets, but I, I think you'd be okay with pencil and paper on this one, okay? But it, it mentions to, to log it down, and then it says something, and it says something that I think is, is really important. There's a so that there, so that. Now, when we see words like so that, we, we tend to stop and, and, and take a look at it. You know, I mean, do this so that this will happen or this will come to pass. In, in my world, that's a cause and effect. And if you desire the effect, but you're not willing to do the cause, you're going to be waiting for a ship that ain't coming in. So we need to pay attention to that so that. So write it down. Have a vision. Write it down so that, so that the reader may read it and run with it. That's a big so that. I mean, I, I, I want to read it and run with it but I've got to write it down. I need to have it so that I can tangibly put it down, put it before my eyes, and say, that is my finish line. That's my goal. Whether it's for this day, whether it's for this month, whether it's for this year, I want to write it down so that, so that the reader can run with it. Now, these are things that you want to see come to pass. So I, I want to change gears here just a bit and, and give you a couple of passages of scriptures uh, concerning desires. I mean, if I have a vision for my marriage in 2020, then that is my desire for 2020 within my marriage, to see that vision come to pass. And these desires are things that are important to have. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says to delight yourself in the Lord. That means align yourself with the things that he's pleased with, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've, I've shared this with you before. It just really stood out to me. I remember early in, in our marriage, my wife and I uh, uh, have been married now for uh, 16 years, and I remember seeing uh, 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 her book for bookkeeping, little notebook, nothing fancy, no, you know, just a spiral that had a marker that, you know, had some, some identification on it so it didn't get mixed up with other bookkeeping materials. And, and on that, she had that verse written. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
And I just remember seeing that and thinking, wow, what an interesting thing to put on your, your bookkeeping journal. You know, a reminder, first of all, to, to be free from covetous, to align yourself with the things that are pleasing to God, to not be chasing after things that are empty and vain, but to pursue the things that are pleasing to God, and then trusting in Him that everything that you're moving toward, everything that you desire to achieve, or everything that is your finish line, so to speak, God desires to bring to existence. Delighting yourself in the Lord leads to getting the desires of your heart, and that's a wonderful thing as we consider the vision that we can set before us for the year to come. Proverbs uh, 12, or excuse me, 13, 12, chapter 13, verse 12, it talks about having desire fulfilled. First of all, it talks about hope being deferred. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled or, or vision being achieved or coming to pass is a tree of life. And Proverbs 13, 19 says that it, that, that desire realized or that vision achieved or crossing that finish line that's set is sweet to the soul. I mean, these things are, are wonderful and they are rewarding and affirming as we pursue them. And it all starts with, first of all, having it in the first place. I think it's important as we know that this year is coming to a close, as we celebrate the wonderful things that we celebrate in the coming of our King, we look forward to this new and exciting year of, of ministry and family and, and prosperity in every single way imaginable in God's kingdom. We need to ask God for a vision, a specific vision in those areas that we might have a finish line that we can run to and keep from just simply running around. Now here's another way that we can pursue the success that God's called us to. That first one was, you know, having vision. The second one is surrounding yourself with good attitudes. Now, if any of you just kind of scooted away from your neighbor, I, uh, might be a little on the nose there. Surrounding yourself with good attitudes, okay? I want to give you a few passages of Scripture. Proverbs 22, I want to look at verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, beginning in verse 24. It says, don't associate with those given to anger or those that lose their temper. Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Now, we've used this passage several times over the past year because we talk about things like anger uh, a lot, actually. It's, it's a massive issue and it's a tremendous need to be ministered to. But as we consider who we surround ourselves by, I think this is an important passage of Scripture. Identifying that associating with those that are given to losing their cool or that are given to anger will lead to us finding a trap for ourselves ought to be a warning. There should be alarm bells and whistles that go off. Who we associate with, now that's a powerful word, associate with. What does that mean? I mean, I want to be spirit-led in all of these things. I want to avoid legalism of any kind. But I can tell you that if I were in business with someone and I were introducing them, I would say, this is my associate. So be careful who you partner with. If they're given to anger or, or they they're, have no control in their temper, it will lead to trouble, not for them, according to this scripture, but for you. Surrounding yourself with the right attitudes. And, and here's why it's important to surround yourself with people that aren't given to anger. James 1.20 says, The anger of man will never achieve the righteousness of God. 
And as we're looking for vision for this coming year, as a church, as individuals, with the anointing and the grace that God has placed upon our life and the calling to minister and function as a part of the body of Christ, as we're looking for that vision and that direction, we need to understand that anger is a great hindrance. The anger of man will not achieve the righteousness of God. And you see a passage of Scripture in verse 19 just before, a call to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, we've talked about that in the past when we've talked about anger directly, but I think it's worth sharing again uh, because I understand that this is an issue that's pretty widespread. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger is an interesting thing. that It, it could easily be received as three instructions. I know when I read that, I, I kind of see it as two instructions and one result. Almost like if you had a simple math problem. 2 plus 2 equals 4. I'm so glad I got that right. How embarrassing would that have been? I've helped my sons. They're 10 years old. I've helped them with their math, and I'm realizing I'm not the math whiz that I once was. How do you change math? I don't understand that, but it's different. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so here we go. We're back in this. So if we take it like an equation like that, you would get this. Being quick to hear plus being slow to speak equals being slow to anger. Because I deal with anger in my life. I mean, I, I, I've been delivered from a lot of, of major strongholds as it concerns anger, but I still deal with it. And I think that if the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God, then we ought to realize that our enemy is constantly trying to bring anger into our life. He can't beat the blood, but if he can prevent us from fulfilling the righteous call that we have by being people that are poisoned by anger, then he'll have at least slowed down the expansion of God's kingdom. So it's no wonder that anger is this, this trap or this scheme that he brings against us, and we ought to make note of this equation, put it to practice in our life, equip ourselves to be slow to anger by being committed to being uh, quick to hear and slow to speak. I can tell you, uh, this is uh, something recently, just recently I was driving. And I mean, it's the holiday season and, and it's, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, well, not for this guy because I, I was driving and just kind of pulled off the off ramp. I promise you, he was in my blind spot. I never saw him. And I mean, it could have been an accident. It wasn't. I mean, he, he was able to brake and, <clears throat> you know, it really wasn't that bad in my opinion. But man, he flipped me off. I didn't know people still gave the bird, but he did. And so I just waved, you know, like, I'm sorry. That was the I'm sorry wave, you know. We're even kind of looking in your mirror, hoping you see me waving. You know, I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to. And comes up beside me, gives it again. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's two, you know. All right. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, I'm not so sorry anymore. And then me gets in front of me, and then instead of giving me the hey wave, you know, wah, a third time, I'm like, strike three, buddy. You know, and there was this thought in my head that thought, pull over, Jack. Amen. <laughs> amen. That's the only amen today. <laughs> God, we're a bunch of heathens. Father, deliver us from anger in Jesus' name that we might accomplish the righteous call <clears throat> that you've placed upon our lives. But what was funny to me was that thought crossed my mind. And I thought, what a trap. It's a trap. 
And I, all, I, was, I, and I could take the bait, and who knows where that would lead. Probably headline, local pastor arrested after being beaten to a pulp by a guy, you know. <laughs> I, I still think I'm a hot shot, you know. And, you know, they say time's undefeated, so. <clears throat> but it's a trap. It's a trap. Being able to spot that trap and not step in it is a key to us having the success, reaching the goals, not having setbacks in our lives. We have that finish line as we have that vision and as we move toward that, that willingness to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and therefore being slow to anger will help us achieve that which God has called us to, that righteous vision that he'll give us. And there's something about this that I want to stop and share because I think it's important. I mean, as we mature, as we, we don't just grow because, you know, you can get taller, you can, you can just grow and not necessarily mature. You can get older and not mature. But as we mature, that's the important thing. As we mature, something happens. I mean, as my children have matured, uh, they have been given new and greater responsibilities. That's a word that we use, you know. Uh, things that maybe they once wanted and, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to grow up a little bit before we can do that. Then they grow and it's like, wow, okay, I think you're now responsible enough to have that. God is raising us up to be responsible. He's raising us up to be responsible stewards of his anointing, responsible carriers of the calling, responsible people functioning and operating in the ministry of reconciliation on the earth. He's making us to be responsible, and I love that word. I love to think about that word and why it's so important. I mean, had that guy provoked a response out of me that would have been uh, uh, angry or, or violent, it would have been simply a reaction to what he did. I mean, he would have provoked it, I would have reacted, and the result would have been a setback. But as we mature, we become responsible. We become people that are less likely to react and more likely to respond. Responsible, able to respond. Responsibility, the ability to respond. So that we can go into situations that carry tension, go into situations that are filled with provocation in ourselves not be provoked. We become responsible as we mature. And I'm praying and seeking continued maturity in my life, and I'm believing for it in our lives as a congregation that we can be a responsible people, free from the traps of reacting to the prov provocation that exists in the world. A third thing that helps us as we pursue the success, as we're looking forward to this coming year, as we're anticipating 2020 and all of the things that God has for us, we need to have good examples. You can put good teachers or good examples but there's a call in the scripture that's important. I mean, I, I, you remember I, I mentioned to you before that we were going to find what's needed in order to inherit the promises of God. We'll find that here in a moment. Jesus says something in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 6, 40. He talks about uh, having good teachers. He says, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone after he's been fully trained will be like his teacher. I mean, the, the people that you receive from and learn from are people that are setting standards in your life. Now, let me tell you something that's really humbling for, for me and for the leaders here at, at Champions Church. We take that very seriously. There's things that I won't watch. You know, there's, there's things I won't listen to. There's things I won't participate in, all because I know th this is as, as good as it gets. 
That's not meant to sound legalistic because, but for the grace of God, we're all filthy and dirty. But the standard of pursuit is no different than what Paul would say when he would say, follow me as I follow him. Because we're setting those standards with our example and with our instruction. And there's not anyone in this room that isn't in one way, shape, or form a teacher. There are those that are constantly looking to you, constantly watching your example, and the standards that we set are being shared. So here's the, the point of this. When we get to what's necessary in order to inherit the promises of God, you'll find it in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> Hebrews 6, verses 11 and 12, it reads like this. It says, don't be sluggish or lazy or slothful, but rather be diligent until the very end to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, earlier in that passage of Scripture and throughout that passage of Scripture, you see examples of people that God has called to do great things, who accomplished great things, and this call in Scripture is for us to be imitators of them, for us to set them as an example. As we move into to desiring to see a vision come to pass, as we step into a new year, believing God for great things, it's important for us to set good examples in front of our eyes. And I love that the, this passage of Scripture includes these two words, faith and patience. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. When I read that passage of Scripture, I see that there are two ingredients necessary in my life in order to inherit the promises of God. For me to imitate those who have come before me, I'm going to need two things. One is faith, and the other is patience. Nobody cheered for those two things. Because those are two things that are really, they can be a challenge. We can run into situations and circumstances where our faith can be challenged. That's why we need each other to continue to build each other up, to continue to encourage one another. We can run into situations and circumstances where patience is challenged because we feel like we've been waiting for an eternity. And if God were going to bring it to pass, shouldn't he have brought it to pass by now? But it's faith and patience that open up the doors for that inheritance of the promises, and we need to have good examples before us today. And I can tell you the world is offering an example that is void of faith, and void of patience. It's take matters into your own hands and you don't have to wait. Instant gratification. Take matters into your own hands, no need to wait. The world is offering that as a promise and I, I guarantee that promise will eventually be in vain. It will lead to frustration, disappointment, heartache. But for us, as we stand upon the word to, to be imitators of those who received God's promises, it's a commitment to one another to encourage and build up faith and patience that will let us reach that finish line that is set for any vision, whether it be for this next year or for any aspect of our life. And here's another one as we move down this list here. It involves your, your relationships. Filtering your friends. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the Proverbs that uh, it can raise some eyebrows. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many friends comes to ruin. It's an interesting passage of scripture, especially in a day and age where social media can equip someone to have thousands of friends. But this passage of scripture is revealing of the power of a friendship. 
In fact, Deuteronomy 13.6 speaks about friendship. It describes relationships in your life. It says your brother, your mother's son, your, your, uh, your own son or daughter, the one that you love, the wife whom you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul. Friendship is a powerful relationship. I mean, who we engage in friendship with is going to have a, a massive effect on our lives. Jesus talks about friendship and the power of friendship in John chapter 15, verse 13, when he says, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. So, I mean, that's just a great passage of scripture. It would make a wonderful t-shirt or an excellent bumper sticker or a great topic for a devotional. But consider this, Jesus uses friendship to explain as the catalyst for the greatest act of love. I mean, it's just amazing to me that he's not saying, hey, no greater love has a man than this, that he be a good husband to his wife, because that is the ultimate relationship. But he speaks about friendship as where the greatest act of love could be manifest. It should show us how important and valuable friendships are. We should not be casual in who we take on as friends. Be very careful to be unequally yoked in your friendships. I'll give you a passage of scripture to confirm that. It's 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, do not be deceived. Okay, that's, that's something to underline, right? Hey, don't be deceived. Catch this. Don't be tricked. Don't let anyone teach you otherwise. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I've seen more people step into bad company saying, well, I'm going to minister to them. And I'm thinking, you need to read 1 Corinthians 15.33. My door is always open to those, no matter what their lifestyle, no matter what their condition, I will welcome all. But I understand that if I engage with bad company, good morals will be corrupted. My doors are open for them to come to me always. I will receive, I will minister, I will love unconditionally, but I understand that to yoke myself to what would be bad company will corrupt good morals. And it's an absolute passage. Not might, not maybe, not could, but will. Proverbs 27 verse 6, it speaks about the power of friendship, that faithful are the wounds of a friend, meaning that when a friend comes and brings correction or direction into a situation, it produces something positive. We need to have friends around us who even in our weakness or our failures can encourage us. Even when it hurts, they, we still understand and know that we're moving toward our goal, heading toward those finish lines, encouraging one another. And Psalm 17, 17 promises this concerning friendship, that a friend loves at all times. And I want to close with this one. We've talked about the need to have a, a finish line, have a vision, have a direction that we're running and an intention and a purpose behind our, our efforts and our our energy spent. We've talked about having vision. We've talked about surrounding ourselves with the right attitudes and, and being uh, free from anger as it'll distract and prevent moving toward those goals. Uh, having good instruction and good examples around us. Willing to be patient and have the faith and encourage each other in those things. We've talked about the importance of friendship and then I want to end on this one because I believe that as we move toward the vision and the goals that God would call us to in any aspect of our living, this could very well be the most important. I want to give you a passage of scripture. I told you before we're going to find what always 
has success, what always gets promoted, what always is acceptable to advance in the eyes of God. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read verses 3 and 4, and then I want to emphasize verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, we've used this passage of scripture over the past couple of weeks. We've talked about it in the, the men's group on Saturday, but it's describing the attitude, the mentality, the mindset of Jesus Christ. And the word promises that as believers, we have the mind of Christ. It reads like this, beginning in in verse 3 of chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. It identifies this mentality and this attitude as being the the mentality or the attitude of Jesus Christ, who who emptied himself of all privilege to become just like me, just like you, in order to, to serve us, deliver us, not to come and be served, but to come and serve. And then when you get to verse 9, you see this wonderful promise of God that's attached to this attitude. For this reason, God highly exalted him. placing upon him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So for me and for you, as we consider taking on the mind of Christ and having that attitude, we can understand this, that God highly exalts a mentality and an attitude that does nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with a humble mind, regards others as more important than themselves. We don't merely look out for our own personal interest, but for the interest of others. If those things are adopted and applied, there's no finish line that we can't reach. There's no goal we can't achieve. There's no vision that can come from heaven that we won't see come to pass as we're committed to one another, encouraging one another in faith and in patience, putting one another first. Seeing to it that we live our lives free from the temptation of outbursts of anger and loss of self-control as we have those desires and visions set before our eyes, we can come together as a support to one another and accomplish absolutely anything God calls us to. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. As you you put away your things there, as you stand to your feet, I want to remind remind you why the message. As much as I love Christmas and as, as, as tempting as it was to bring a message on the nativity and the stars in the sky and, and the season that we saw, which I absolutely love, I really feel moved to talk about these things for the purpose of looking toward what's to come. So that we don't get there and then decide to pursue what's supposed to happen. But that we actually have some direction set over these next couple of weeks. That we say, you know, I'm going to take some time. I'm not calling you to go and spend two weeks on a a mountaintop somewhere with no food. And, and, you know, have some kind of an experience like that. I'm just saying, you know, if you can carve out an afternoon. 
if you can carve out some, just something exceptional, something that wouldn't happen otherwise, that you could say, I intentionally made time to pull away, to pursue God for a vision for this year to come. I asked him about things concerning this aspect of my life or that aspect of my life, and I'm trusting that he'll bring that vision. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to pursue how I can, can achieve that through his word. And I'm committed to doing the things and being a part of the body as he designed to see to it that I don't just run around spending energy, but that I move toward a goal, that I have a finish line, and that with the help of those around me that God has surrounded me with, empowered by the Spirit of God, filled with his grace, I'm going to cross that finish line. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do that work in our hearts and in our minds that we wouldn't just go through another year, but that we would have vision. So there where you stand, you're welcome to be in agreement. You, you can posture yourself in any way you choose fit. You're welcome to lift your hands. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to kneel if you like. You're welcome to be in agreement, or you're also welcome to just simply be in a state of receiving. I want to pray for myself and for you as well. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we don't walk in darkness because you have illuminated our paths with your truth. That you've given us direction and counsel to be successful in every way, shape, and form, every aspect of our living, and we rejoice in that. We thank you for this year that we are bringing to a close. Will you help our hearts to be turned towards celebration in the way that they should be? That we would be giving you thanks, rejoicing in the work of our King, his presence in our life, here and now, Emmanuel. And as we look forward to this year to come, we ask for the, the vision that would be from you. Will you give us the, the opportunity, the conviction, to seek after you for those things? That we wouldn't simply run around, but that we would run with a purpose. As your word declares, we would run the race as to win the prize. Let us have vision set before us and let us be committed to one another to both give and receive the encouragement and the fellowship necessary to see to it that our brothers and sisters cross the finish line as, long as, as, as well as ourselves. As long as they're running, as long as they're moving, let us be there to encourage. Should they fall, let us pick them up. Should there be any stumbling, let us be those that would encourage one another to stand and achieve that which you've equipped us and called us to do. That we would trust in you to provide. That we would respond to every conviction and leading of your spirit. And that together as we would cross those finish lines, we would celebrate and rejoice in your goodness and your favor. We bless your name and we thank you. We rejoice in you for the things to come. And we say thank you for all that you've done. We bless you. We honor you. And we anticipate your direction and your counsel in all of these matters. In the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.